we're back. After a long absence. And we're still black. Oh, dear God. Uh, my dog's almost falling out of my lap. More importantly, your dog almost spilled the drink. I'm going to get her situated. Yeah. Um, while we're doing that, uh, we'll explain the log absence is due to um, life, the universe, everything, not wanting to do stuff. Uh, I was doing a lot of stuff at work, but now I'm not. So I've had a few days to uh, reset my levels. And right now, as I said during the movie we saw tonight, I'm probably more liquor than person right now. So I think we're right back in the mindset. Also, it's like pre-gaming TIFF season. You know, they've just uh, issued some emails around renewing your membership early to get special member prices on packages. We'll get to that later. So this is around the time of year that we want to spool up the old uh, Fastball Light Drive and start talking about movies and things again. And uh, I just recently listened to the last episode, and um, that was just two days after the election. So I think this is our 100 days as well. Yeah. Because um, that was just, I, I think it actually perfectly syncs up to 200 days ago the last time we recorded. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a while. Uh, oh, was it the, it was the election of the inauguration. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Screw that. Then. Yeah. That was November. Never yeah. mind then. Yeah. But in a way, I like that. Like we needed the well, time. The, yeah. There's. But it's not perfect symmetry. So. Yeah. It took us that long to get to a place where we could actually record and not be only talking about the forty fifth. Who, he shall not be named. No. Nope. Because I do believe a name can be uh, something that gives someone power. So we will. Well, he'll manifest if you say his name. Yeah. We'll steer away from that skid. But we had a great night tonight. We went to... We saw... Actually, I want to talk about the trailer we saw before. There was a movie with a dog and a Mara. And as I was watching the sort of pinched, delicate features of the Mara and then watched the movie we saw, which had Emma Watson, I'm like, in a world with Emma Watson, do I need a Mara? Because I feel like... Or reversed, in a world with a Mara, do we... With two Maras, do we need a Watson? Yeah. I, I like the Watson more. She's slightly more likable. Okay, so well, then we have to get into the... the, the we, we haven't talked about how we feel about yeah, this movie at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have some thoughts. All right. So then, we can... So we saw The Circle. Jerk. And <laughs> I always have those moments when I see two actors that are British in a scene together. Oh, her... Yeah, like... And John Boyega. Are, are they drifting into, yeah. in, in, into Britishness? Yeah. Yeah, her accent work. She needs some accent work. Yeah, she doesn't do a very credible American accent. It's too... I mean, she's trying to flatten it, but it's, it's very something. Like, if you heard her, you'd be like, she's... I don't she's know, from somewhere. I don't know where she's... Yeah, I don't know where she's from, but she's not American. Yeah, and she sounded too... Or she is American, she sounded too, like, posh American. Yeah, she's trying too hard to sound American, which yeah. makes you sound not American at all. Yeah. She didn't sound like somebody who grew up with, you know, parents with money problems. Well, and definitely not Glenn Hedley, uh, Glenn Hedley and Bill Paxson. She yeah. doesn't seem like their child. Yeah. Uh, uh, at all. Um, my thoughts, and my immediate thought when I was watching the movie was, hmm, this movie was good until it wasn't. Yeah. And uh, near the... Hmm, the ending seems super abrupt. Well... But we won't spoil. No. But it just seems super But abrupt. I will say that I, at a, 12 minutes before the movie was over, I thought, okay, we're... An hour and forty-five minutes into this movie, how long is this movie? Because we seem to have just entered the third act, and then it just like a damn squib. It just kind of fizzled out. So yeah, uh, which was very it was very weird um, because I mean it's one of the few movies I can think of in in a very long time 
because it's not effects laden at all, but you can see the money on the screen. It's a very good looking movie. Mm -hmm. The locations are great. It seems authentically to be where it's set. Uh, there's a huge cast of uh, characters who are mostly squandered. Um, but it, a lot of diverse uh, people with only a few lines. A few lines, like the guy who I love, that guy who was in Gina the Joneses and in The Get Down. Uh, I don't know the actor's name. We'll look it up. Um, but I love. I feel like his first name is Glenn, but I could be just making that up. And I also said just I just said Glenn Headley. But um, I love that actor, and you know he had one scene and then a few cutaway shots to because that's how they got in all the characters that just showed cutaway shots of them in a crowd. Um, like watching other people talk. Yeah, watching Emma Watson talk. Um, but, you know, they had a really good bench. They just didn't ever let anyone get off the bench for more than Mamadou Do Abbey. Oh, yeah, that's Sid yeah. Glenn. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's right up there. Uh, yeah, no, I, he, for some reason, he reminds me of the black Adam Driver. I said this before. To me, he sounds like Adam Driver, and he kind of looks like Adam Driver, too. Yes, and he was Grandmaster Flash in the get down. Yeah, like he's a... Uh, Oh, you, he wasn't Shaolin Fantastic. My bad. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, I absolutely love that guy. Uh, and he, you know, he had one scene, and that was kind of it. And, and even John Boyega, who's like, you know, kind of a big deal around here now, had you know, two scenes, and only one where he actually was integral to the plot. Mm -hmm. And then you know, we saw him a few extra, a few other times, but in those subsequent scenes, he didn't have any lines. But one thing I do think is interesting, not that Tom Hanks needs any more Oscars, but if well, if, he'd, if he'd been Denzel, I do think it would be good to see him play like more of a menacing bad guy role. So if, if Tom Hanks was black and hadn't won any Oscars, he could get like a training day type part to yeah. finally win the Oscar that he should have gotten. Because I do think that some parts of his performance were... Interesting. Well, I mean, but he played a bad guy in uh, the movie where ja, uh, where Jude Law played a really bad guy. Um, yeah. What was the name of that movie? Wow, we're really bad tonight. Uh, Again, I'm more looking at the person. What's your excuse? You normally we remember things. Yeah, I know, but uh, I, well, yeah. I, it just popped into my mind, but that was a great, great movie. Um, and he played against type. He was like a mob hitman type dude. Road um, to Perdition? Road to Perdition. Great movie. Um, but he played a bad guy. But Tom Hanks is a bad guy. Because Tom Hanks cannot walk away from his Tom Hanksness. He just can't. Mm -hmm. um, but I, th I thought his, you know, as a sort of Jobsian kind of character, he actually was pretty good. I mean, Pat Oswalt, I mean, ugh, I'm tired of Pat Oswalt. And his presence in the movie I found more annoying than anything. It's like... I, mean, I don't know if they were... Is this the hole they were dug because they were trying to be faithful to the book. Like, I understand most companies, you need at least one or two or yeah. three C-levels. There's a Wozniak and there's a... Yeah, there's a Wozniak yeah. and there's a Jobs. But I feel like for the film, we only needed one of them. And it also feels to me like... I mean, Patton Oswalt just seems like a... You know, I have nothing against him personally. Like, he's a, he's a wonderful social media dude. But I just feel like when you cast him in a movie, you are pitching him at, a, at his fan base... But for nobody else, because if you're a fan of Patton Oswalt, you might be happy to see him on screen. But as a non-fan, he's not—he's not a good actor, and he's not a very good presence. He just—he's just like he looks like a little hobbit. Like he just doesn't. Like I find his presence in the movie distracting because I'm like, he doesn't seem as though he would be the other guy who's responsible for the creation of this company. And you know, without giving away any spoilers, if the John Boyega character mm -hmm. had been in that role. 
same backstory, same, you know, in the same uh, connection with the Emma Watts character, that would have been better and, in my opinion, more believable. Yeah. As somebody who came in and and went to the next level of innovation with the company. So Patton Oswalt was kind of like, uh, kind of took me out of the movie. And the movie took me out of the movie. So yeah, there, there were just a few pieces of connective tissue that they needed missing. There was maybe one or two too many main characters. Some of the smaller characters could have, the film could have been better served by having more of them. Yeah, or, or the Kelly. It was, it was close. Yeah, but the Karen Gillan character. Yeah. I mean, she was a great character, but we I don't know why she all of a sudden was just upset and looked terrible. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, like, she's okay? And, and then she went home yeah. and then she's okay so we it seemed like there were several scenes that were left on the cutting room floor I kind of want to read the book but I kind of don't because the last thing of Dave Eggers that I actually read no. cover to cover was Heartbreaking Brain, yeah. Staggering my Venus. first and last uh, Dave Eggers yeah. I never read uh, didn't he have like a little salon like a little literary salon and he had a yeah I mean uh, hell I still read the McSweeney stuff yeah McSweeney stuff yeah, yeah. um and also I mean you know going back to the subject of Emma Watson while I was watching the movie all I could think was who what actor in her cohort uh, and it's tough because there's, I mean, in my opinion, there's not a lot of young actors who are strong actors, like in their like, like 20 ish actors. Um, and, you know, so the only person who immediately comes to mind is, you know, um, Jennifer Lawrence, who I'm not a huge fan of, but uh, she is not a sturdy enough actress to carry the role. She was shaking the accent. Uh, and I had a huge problem with the character's motivations. She made two big turns, but I didn't know enough about her as a character. And yeah, to understand. Why she made yeah. the one turn and why she made the other turn. And also because I think with a stronger actor, we could have, she could have given us something, even in the eyes. But we were missing a few character beats yeah. for her to make those leaps. Huge shifts, like going, yeah. like going completely, like, well, I wouldn't say a 180, because I would say that she was rather agnostic when the movie started. But going from where she was to where she went and then doing an abrupt 180 in the last 12 minutes of the movie, but without any real... The, well, the movie didn't provide her with motivations, but as an actor, she's not capable of letting us read between the lines either. So it seemed as though everything that she did was in uh, it was uh, at the behest of the, of the plot uh, and the script, not because the actress ever sold it. So I, it was really... You know, and, you know it, it, I sound very negative about it. I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. It was actually, it was entertaining. You know where I'd love it to watch this sense. movie? I'd love to watch this movie on the campus of a giant internet concern somewhere in Southern California. It, I'd love to watch a <laughs> screening of it at one of those offices. And, and, and it's funny because when I, when the movie first started, I thought, oh my God, this is the last place on earth I would ever want to work because the amount of participate and, and, and it became like a part of the plot. But my first thought was there's too much participation required to work at this company, yes, I like they want all of your life just from a social um, angle, and then when you find out that that it actually is what they want, I actually kind of found that funny because I was like, yeah, no, I can't, I, I could not, I can never do this. They want like twenty seven hours of your day, and yet I have just emerged from a time period where I was pretty much doing that. I've done that before, so if anything, doing it on purpose and building in all of these things to make it easy for you to never ever have to leave, leave work yeah, yeah. or if you do leave work there's like a shuttle yeah but that is that more humane or less humane are you basically signing up for indentured servitude if you work at one of these places with 
a good medical plan and full dental. Well, they took this even a, a step further by, by establishing that she actually lived on campus in a dormitory. So yeah. her entire life was all there. Was there. Uh, and that, and, you know, but I mean, the character's like in her like early to mid 20s. So maybe when you're that age, it is appealing. But I just thought, Jesus, like it just, it's too much. Um, it was just a, but I, th- and I think they did a, they struck a really good balance as well because you didn't get the sense that the employees who worked at the company were drones or sheep in any way. They all seemed well, to be I- I- independent. Were. Well, they, they were, but I bought them as real people who bought into their jobs and yeah. wanted everyone to be part of this collective, but I didn't get, and I, and I think sort of, um, based on the trailers that I saw, I thought that there was, it almost seemed though, as though the movie would be this evil conspiracy where everyone was in on the conspiracy and Emma Watson had to, had to break free. It wasn't like that. They all seemed to have free will. They were just very gung-ho on the company, which to me really makes more sense than having everyone be hooked into the collective. So My favorite part, though, the interview. The interview questions, especially that lightning round, love that. I kind of... I think that's actually just a good idea for interviewing people, especially like a couple of the tricky questions to see if you would do sketchy stuff to get a job. Yeah, I'm, and so, I don't want to spoil the questions either, but I like liked that part because that was one of the few parts that had any kind of like energy, and like yeah. it was one of the few times I was really invested in the Emma Watson character and you know how she was thinking and like seeing her responses. That so there were there were glimmers of potential, but. I actually think this would have been much better served by just being a, like a Netflix, like yeah. six episode series and not well, an actual movie. I don't know. Maybe six. not six episodes. Maybe four. Like, three. Yeah, three. Four, three. Like a mini, mini, um, mini series. Yeah. And actually, it, it, it's funny that you should mention the interview rounds because, uh, you know, without being too political, I just thought, oh my God, there's such an implicit bias in these questions. So, I mean, I, spoiler or not, but, you know, asking, um, you know, Paul or John, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. First of all, the character's like in her 20s. How many people in their 20s have any knowledge of the Beatles whatsoever? This, but it just struck me as this incredibly uh, very, uh, how does one say this without saying white? But the question, but the question is just, like, <laughs> it, like, it, it just, it you, you know, and, and there were more than one question that struck me as the question, it's well, it the like question. Well, it was like question. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, and then she said, bias, "Did yeah. yeah." And then she said, "Didian." So this struck me as a as a screenplay that was written by a middle aged white man because these are the questions that yeah. might make them think they have some sort of connection to yeah. somebody else. Like but, even if they thrown in a Kanye or Kendrick. That's exactly, and that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. I was saying like like Chance or Drake, like yeah, um, which you know has its own bias because there's an actual age bias in that kind of question, but. Yeah. Based on who they were interviewing, that question would have made more sense to me than the and questions if you're a company that, that they were all asking the data about people. Yeah. Unless the questions were tailored to her, but they didn't give. Well, us they didn't, that. Yeah, but they didn't show we would her really listening to the Beatles in a car. And they the also there, and they also which would have been creepy yes, and made that question better. better. And they also established that because before she joined the company, she didn't have a large social media. Yeah. So they so they didn't know anything about her. She was such they said enigma. They, yes, they said they did not know I'm anything. So I just found that kind of like, eh, that was kind of like, eh, that's yeah. a failure of, of screenwriting, especially given the age and the demographics of the people who are working at that company. Those questions were like so... If someone asked me those questions, I'd be like, really? Uh, neither. I don't really like the Beatles. 
That would have been my answer. Does that mean I don't get a job? So I was thinking about those questions. I was just thinking about the optics of that. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's, the screenplay was not great because it didn't really go anywhere. It, it had an idea, but it didn't have a message. And that is, you know, and that's why the third act was like such a, it just like fizzled out because they couldn't really, they asked all these questions that they did not answer, like, uh, and, and, and being as, as oblique as possible. Like the whole thing about, you know, the data on the politician. Like, nothing, like, what, what happened to that plot? Like, it just went away. Everything just ended. Um, so, uh, The Circle, I mean, it, what month are we in? We're in April? Yeah. I mean, that movie's not going to... The movie will not do anything. No. It's... The, the Rotten Tomatoes and whatever, like, it's, it's not looking good. But do you feel like the... I mean, I don't know what the budget on the movie was, but it, it seemed as though it was meant to be something other than what it turned out to be, because there's definitely... There's it, a lot of big names in it. And it's expensive. And I did find it interesting, so the... Um, She'll be all right. She just had her uh, Stockholm Syndrome movie. Yeah, but I don't know that she will be all right. Neither the beast did I. No, but I, the, the movie did hugely well but I don't think that anyone is um is um saying that Emma Watson is responsible for the success of the movie I don't I don't like Emma Watson she looks like a 12 year old girl still I still like her I don't I just she's uh you know allegedly the production budget for this was only 18 million 18 that's a remark I would have said that was a hundred million dollar movie because that movie looked uh, good but that movie about the Armenian genocide the uh the uh, the promise is in is now north of a hundred million dollars on its budget, which I think is insane. Uh, that movie will never make back its budget. It made I think four point five million dollars in its first weekend. Um, so if this movie was only eighteen million dollars, then good for them. Yeah, that's good because it's only made three million. Well, and so, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's you know, and it's a movie with Tom Hanks, who. You know, sort of build as the co. Well, I guess he probably in he is build as the co. In, but you know, yeah. in screen time, he he probably is the co lead. There's too much of Emma Watson in the movie. She cannot carry a movie. I'm sorry, she just can't. She's not charismatic, and the, she's. Are there any scenes without her? I don't. I don't think so. Uh, she's not. She's not interesting to me in the least. Full stop. I give me Amara any day. Yeah, but Rooney. I mean, when I think Rooney, not Kate. When I think of John Boyega's chemistry with Oscar Isaac's. Oh. And his chemistry with her. He wore his jacket. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. They they had a yeah. yeah. Yeah, they did. You know what? I'm gonna take a moment to think about uh, Finn and Poe. Maybe Google some slash fiction, and freshen my beverage, and we will be back to talk about something else besides the circle. And we're back. Yes, we are. Uh, yes. And uh, we're, we've been watching actually a lot of stuff lately. We're at peak TV now, but with Game of Thrones not on the air till July, I've had more time to go out in the streets and see things or just sit on the couch and watch things. So uh, you recently watched the Why'd You Still My Husband uh, Hot Latina? Is that called Unforgettable, Unforgivable? Unforgettable with Katherine Heigl. I, I imagine that... Um, Are you still into her? Yeah. So my friend She's is, your original Blake Lively. Well, no, but for different reasons. I hate Katherine Heigl with a passion. And my yet. My friend Aaron and I have a... Uh, we have an ongoing relationship with Katherine Heigl. Um, we are probably the only two people who watched all 13 episodes of uh, State of Affairs um, because she is a delightful train wreck. 
She's a terrible actor, uh, and she keeps on getting um, deals with mostly CBS. Uh, and, you know, we tried to watch uh, Doubt. We made it through the pilot, and that was it. But, you know, that only stuck around for three months. It's three months, three episodes. Uh, so my... Um, and <laughs> we actually watched Jenny's Wedding. Uh, which, I watched Jenny's Wedding, Where yeah. she gave Mary to Alexis Bledel. That yeah. was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Worst couple ever. Of, no heat there. But, no, like, even regardless... I mean, Alexis Bledel had, like, three lines, so she had nothing to work with. Uh, I actually made a... Uh, an animated gif of the wedding dance sequence because it was so preposterous. The gummer was... The whole thing about that obsession she had with how green her lawn was, I mean, the movie was terrible on every level, but I absolutely loved it. And the worse Katherine Heigl does, the better I do. Um, so this movie, um, Unforgettable, made um, uh, bupkis at the box office. Uh, but it was really... a like as a genre exercise, it you know it felt like you know the hand that rocks the cradle or single white female. They actually got all the genre trappings down. You could predict everything that was going to happen because I predicted before the movie even started that someone was going to this movie. A movie like this always ends up with the bad girl being stabbed, and this movie ended up with the bad girl being stabbed. But it was scissors, knife, or um, other weapon of opportunity. It was actually a, don't tell me. No, yeah, yeah. you know, Let's save, save it. One surprise. Save it. But yeah. it, but it, you know, and I, and I knew that the last scene in this movie would be someone sitting in the back of an ambulance with the with the lights on, and I think that is the last scene of the movie. <laughs> but you've seen this movie like a million times. Yeah. Um, but it was it, it was really enjoyable. Um, the male lead uh, George Stoltz was terrible. He's like a no charisma. Um, but I love Rosario. Like not a man that these two women would ever be fighting over. I mean, no. Um, Rosario Dawson was really good. She was really she was really giving a performance that the movie did not demand because she went to some emotional places. So kudos for her. Felt bad for her because she's a really good... I mean, okay, hold on. Pump the brakes. She's not a really good actor, but, you know, she's a really likable, watchable actor. And I feel like she hasn't really gotten that... Like a role that has really defined her and I don't feel like she's getting opportunities to go next level. So she has to be in this shitty two-hander with Catherine Heigl. Um... But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I would recommend it if you like camp. Um, it's, you know, and, and after, after having watched Ryan Murphy's Feud, uh, you really, like I just, it, this feels like if Joan Crawford and Betty Davis were in this movie in 1969, you, know, you, totally, you could totally buy this as two women who were pitted against each other in life and in movies. Um, so yeah, I would I would say uh, a strong sell on no strong buy on Unforgettable, if you like uh, trash because it's really it's good trash is what it is and we don't actually have a lot of good trash, in the movie theaters now, mm-hmm. uh, and most trash comes in the form of horror movies, um, but I'm trying to think of the last movie like I feel like it might have been that Beyonce joint uh, with her and oh, yeah, and yeah, Ali yeah. Larder yeah like we don't get these types of movies that much and the fact that the boss office was is, a, was it abysmal. Is interesting now that like these movies it's always like a woman of color and a white woman uh-huh. and the and and the white woman is always the bad girl mm-hmm. like she's always like the 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 antagonist she's in these movies yeah like trying to hold on to although um you know and in, in a movie like this race is not an issue there's no other person of color in the movie aside from Rosario Dawson anyway so the fact that she's um Latina doesn't really matter to to the movie, uh, but one does have to think like 
from an optics perspective, like the fact that she's cast as the good girl and Catherine Heigl, this blonde ice queen, is cast as the bad girl, says a lot about where we are as a society. And, you know, because 20 years ago, I don't think this would have been the case. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, when it pops up on Netflix, as it probably will in five minutes from now, um, you could do worse than to open up a bottle of Chardonnay and watch this movie. All right. Sounds fun. I saw uh, almost the opposite in terms of testosterone level of Fate of the Furious, and it was a beautiful mess. Mm. I remember almost nothing of the plot except as I was watching the movie, I wondered about some instruction in the scenes and then remembered this thing that I'd read or heard or someone told me where all of the leads had this thing in their contracts where they can't lose a fight. <laughs> so you don't see characters that you would expect to be in scenes together having conflict right. because they all have it written in their contract they can't, they can't ever lose a fight so a lot of fights have these like weird sort of abrupt anticlimactic like you know something smashes through something Wait, or so, something else happens so, would so you don't actually get to like the point of a fight even getting to finish or like so would, it, so would you consider Jason Statham a lead then in this movie? I, I believe based on what I got to see he is now one of the people with that clause in his contract so he fought didn't he fight The Rock? Almost. Oh. <laughs> Almost. Okay. So they fought their way through an environment to get towards each other so mm-hmm. they could fight each other, but then things okay. happened. So I just, it was it was entertaining. Honestly, the scene, there's a scene with Jason Statham that a lot of people are talking about that's probably the one of the best moments of the movie. Uh, I was confused by what exactly was happening with the... Uh, Furiosa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like she was so great in Mad Max. She was awesome in Mad Max. And, and she's going to be great in Atomic Blonde. Yeah, so I feel like she was a little bit wasted in this. But not wasted in the good way. Yeah, yeah. It well, was just... Well, weren't all of her scenes in a sort of control room environment? She wasn't, like, driving a car or anything? Yeah, no. She had, like, a headset on. Yeah, so it's like you get Charlize Theron and you just sort of... Yeah. I mean, I did like uh, Michelle Rodriguez had her usual, she always gets to have a scene where she gets to have some sort of hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> and instead of it being some rando uh, other woman, they actually just had her fight men, which I think makes much more sense. Yeah. Her. Yeah. Well. So that was a good moment. But yeah, it wasn't, I stay awake. That's a- Which I can't say the same for the person that went to the movie with me. They had a little disco nap in the middle of it, but... It was, there was just a lot going on, but, and some of the big beats, you could completely predict the minute you saw where things were starting, but I, I can't re- say I regret it. Have you seen all of these, all the movies in the franchise? I don't know if I have. I don't know if I've seen all of Tokyo Drift. I feel like that's one I've tried to get through and I've just mm. fallen asleep or gotten distracted by something shiny, or yeah. than the cars in the movie. Well, um, I believe I saw one, two, um... Part of the one they were in Brazil, and then yeah. I was, and then I was out. I was like, I can't, I can't. It has evolved beyond the Point Break with Cars to be something else entirely. Mm. Uh, the addition of Scott Eastwood, I felt like was completely unnecessary. Mm. I don't know why. Because he's Scott Eastwood, he is unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't. He definitely wasn't replacing the Paul Walker character in any way. Yeah. And we didn't need that. But it they were trying to, though, right? I don't think they were. Maybe they... I get the impression that they weren't, based yeah. on everything I've heard, yeah. and the way that the character is treated 
in the film by everybody else in the film. Yeah. Yeah. He was almost like comic relief, except he's not as funny or charismatic as, you know, your largest Hemsworth. Where you can put somebody like that. Or your tiniest, yeah. or your tiniest Hemsworth. Yeah, like you Luke. can put one of those guys in, and they are charismatic and funny enough to be like sort of the bohunk comic relief. But Scott Eastwood doesn't have that level of like charisma, charm, or sort of uh, loosey goosey like. It, it's almost it would have been a good role for Chris Pratt before Guardians of the Galaxy, even like. But when you think about what. Uh, what uh, the Furious movies have done in terms of diversity with the lack of um, a Paul Walker, you kind of don't have a good white guy in the movie. Yeah. Uh, which is actually kind of, I mean, and, and I think... It's very yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I think that's why yeah. they, I think that's why Scott Eastwood got the role because otherwise it wouldn't really be, uh, I mean, except for Statham. Yeah. Are there any other major white characters in the movie? Not really. And I was, yeah, that does feel like a studio note. They were like, yeah, sure, we'll throw him in. But he wasn't, you know, doing anything. No, yeah. and they didn't need him to yeah. make the money that they did. I cannot say there's any one moment. Well, who's going to see a movie for Scott Eastwood? Yeah, who even knows who he is? If anything, he was the one person that got roughed up a lot and kept screwing up. Yeah. So in a way. Yeah, he was like the the uh, the. Yeah, like, the scapegoat. Yeah, he's the person that doesn't have the I can't lose a fight clause in the contract, or I can't ever look like a punk. So. I guess they needed somebody to, like, knock around. But overall, every time I see a Fast and Furious movie, it just makes me miss (laughs) original Point Break. So I always have to, in my mind, go back to uh, Keanu and Bodhi on the beach soaking wet. I think that's what Keanu was at his most beautiful was in Point Break. His hair was really nice in that movie. Yeah. I mean, his shoulders. Oh. And he sort of leaned into the. This is one of the few times he's ever leaned into the pretty. Because mm-hmm. he's always fought against it. And I feel like in that movie. Uh, and maybe Catherine Bigelow was just like, you know, like really um, was going after a Herbert's kind of thing. But yeah, he was so beautiful in that movie. And I just, you know. Um, anyway, I, yeah, I got into the. Yeah, exactly. Into my feelings about Keanu. Yeah. Who's still a handsome man. Very much so. But yeah, I think. Whenever I see a Fast and Furious movie, it just makes me appreciate the original Point Break even more. So thank you, Bigelow, for Point Break. Yes. But unfortunately, your masterpiece inadvertently perhaps spawned this abomination of chrome and testosterone well, that not, we now will have to live with forever. It's also not going anywhere. I mean, I, this is eight, eight movies into the franchise. Yeah. And now there's talk about each of the main characters. Well, no, sorry. Let me back that up a bit. Not to the main characters. There was talk about uh, the Statham character. Yes, yeah, spinoff. Which means that there's a potential to spin off a whole bunch of other characters in this franchise. There's really been nothing like this. Like it's like the weird thing about the the Fast and the Furious franchise is that they have sort of like been without any I think without any any plan doing exactly what the MCU did is creating this whole yeah like thing of bringing in other characters and giving them like their own like enough of a like enough shine in these movies so that they can go off and do their individual franchises but this is just in some stupid generic um fast car uh you know and this isn't elevating marvel in any way but marvel did a very specific thing in building out this whole franchise over multiple movies with multiple leads and the fast and the furious just kind of did it just 
ass backwards. It's kind of funny, actually, that it's... I can't believe there's eight of these movies. Can you think of any other... Except for uh, Marvel, and I don't know how many movies are in the MCU, but how many movies have there been where there have been, like, title... There have been numbered sequels that have gotten up to eight? Like, Mission Impossible is only up to five, I think. I guess the Harry Potter ones don't count, or, like, Star oh. Wars or other things like that. Well, Star... I mean, I feel like Star... Because Star Wars is over, like, so many years... Yeah. So I really don't feel like Star Wars does count. Uh, and Harry Potter was, I mean, it was based on books, right? So, I mean, I kind of give them that, but I mean, how many were there? Seven? It feels like, yeah. So, yeah. So, so they okay. broke the sixth book into two movies. Yeah, so I, I will give them that, but, um, but I mean, it's, it's so uncommon to have, like, this many movies in an action movie franchise and you know and obviously like the james bond movies don't count because they're not you know they were just sort of like every time james bond every time there was a new james bond movie there was almost like a reboot of the franchise yeah um yeah because they're not rebooting it's almost all the same actors yeah they add and it's like another adventure yeah and in other previous other previously existing relationships still exist in the movie so the continuity is the family um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's really kind of remarkable what they've done with, with a movie that no one, I mean, I remember seeing the first one in the movie and thinking, yeah, cause it was all about the Nas canisters in the car. It really was about street level racing and it wasn't about anything else. Yeah. There isn't a lot of racing in this. Yeah. So the, the fact that it's gone from that to this, you know, these are like prototype, these are like prototypical Bond movies. They're like international, um, like what do they do? Are they like steel? What they're are they? like special forces car driver. But are they trying to do the good thing or the bad thing? I don't know. Now I think they're doing good things. Yeah, but... It was confusing. But Natalie Emanuel looked great. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Masenda. Yeah. So. And she my, has no excuse not to look good. She's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So, that was fun. But yeah, yeah it was... I, if you're going to see it, you're going to see it. Eventually you'll see it. It's almost unavoidable oh, well, I, to occasionally stumble across these at some point. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. Like one day, I've avoided years them. from now, you could be just like bored and flicking through Netflix and just hit play if you're mm-hmm. doing laundry. If I have Who dementia, knows? sure. Yeah. yeah. Try to find it to be really rewarding. But overall, both of these movies that we just talked about, not great. Like, there's, there's <laughs> not, I feel... It's April. April's become almost like the new February. We're yes. Out. February. Dumping ground. usually get some really good movies like Get Out and things like that that came out in February, whereas now April is just like dump your trash before you get to May. Yes. And but May's the official kickoff to summer. Exactly. So we're just going to talk about some more trash when we're back. And we're back. Oh, that was fast. I didn't realize we were coming back so quickly. Yeah. Well, we still have enough of a drink in here and we'll be getting loaded up for the last... Well, okay, yeah. there's some more in the can, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good. Uh, so you saw a movie that I know some people saw during the festival that made them be willing to give our old friend Anne a second look. Yeah, I mean, I i wouldn't count myself amongst the most virulent of Hathaway haters, but I'm definitely not an Anne Hathaway fan. Um, so the movie is colossal. Uh, it was at TIFF last year, and it made a huge splash. I think it may have been... Um, I don't know if it was at South By or Telluride, maybe Telluride. Um, but, uh, and it's interesting because this is a movie where when it was described to me, I had a very specific image in my mind of what it was going to be like, but it actually wasn't anything like I thought it was going to be. Um, so essentially the Hathaway character is, uh, the movie starts out and she's in Manhattan and she's uh, in a relationship with Dan Stevens, who is so ubiquitous these days. 
God, he's everywhere. Yeah, he's um, a slight digression, but have you ever watched um, uh, what's the the movie about the drug dealer? Um, it was originally on a web series, and then HBO bought it. The movie about the drug dealer. I mean, I need a little more. Than no, 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 movie, TV show. Um, something high. Uh, it's the guy who's like the weed delivery guy. So each week he would encounter different characters. Uh, so just Google HBO uh, High Maintenance. Okay. Which is a great, such a good show. Dan Stevens was in a couple episodes of those. He's a very good actor. He's actually, he'd be quite funny. Um, so she's in a relationship with him and the, they break up because she's a drunk. And then she ends up going back to her small town uh, somewhere in New York State. And she kind of falls back in with Jason Sudeikis, who she uh, knew when she lived in the town. She goes to work with him at a bar. And uh, she realizes... So there's a, <laughs> there is a gigantic uh, monster, sort of like a Godzilla-type monster, menacing um, Seoul, uh, South Korea. And in the movie... Anne Hathaway discovers that she has a psychic connection to this monster. So everything that she does, the monster does. Cool. Uh, and and then it takes off from there. But it's not a fantastical type of movie at all. It it has a feeling of com- almost like a mumblecore movie. Okay. Um, and it's really like I really really like the movie, but it's a lot less sci-fi than I think the premise. I would lead you to believe. Actually, I've read like a little, there's a lot of think pieces about it, but one of the, uh, like one of the articles was basically like the, the people who would be most likely to see this movie based on the premise are the people who would most be offended by the movie itself because the way that the plot um, works out, it's the, the plot kind of would repel somebody who would go to this movie based on what its premise is and nothing else. Um, and Hathaway is good in it. I mean, is it going to, like, I heard some initial, you know, chatter about, you know, oh, maybe she'll get nominated for an Oscar. It's not that kind of role. No. And, you know, she's okay. She's, she's likable in it, but is this like a, could no one have done this? I feel like I could have done this role, which once again means nothing. Um, but yeah, she wasn't, um, I think the, the thing that, uh, the best thing Anne Hathaway did in this role was make you forget that she was Anne Hathaway. Um, so she didn't blow me away, but she was, she was um, believable as sort of like this kind of like drunk who went back to her small town. Um, and it's funny because there was a lot of talk about this movie on the festival circuit, and right around the time it rolled out in the theaters, for a movie that's this small, there was actually a lot of press about it. Um, and since then, I've heard, like, nada. So uh, I don't think it performed particularly well at the box office. But it's also one of these things that has, like, all of... It's a kind of premise that um, that people want to talk about. Like, people on Vulture want to write about a movie like Colossal. But it's not a movie that anybody really will seek out. So it's, it's interesting. Like, I don't think, you know, six months from now, anyone will even talk about Colossal. But I, I liked it. That was really entertaining. And it was smart. Like, it really was a smart movie, and I've really never seen anything like it. But it actually, because uh, we were just talking about this earlier, but increasingly there's a whole bunch of movies that uh, are not big enough in terms of budget or don't have enough stars in them that you kind of think, yeah, you know, a movie with Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis, 
if it was on Netflix, I wouldn't be surprised. So it just sort of like to me, this falls into the carrot, into the category of like, yeah, this could have been a Netflix movie, not which isn't damning anything with faint praise, but uh, I think we're in a place now where, I mean, we get like three or four originals, like three or four Netflix originals a week now. Um, there's a movie that is premiered with Nikolai Nikolai Costa Waldo. There was the one. This is a couple of weeks ago with uh, Melissa Leo, the, the most hated woman in America, about... Uh, is she the most hated woman in America? Well, not Melissa Leo herself. She ah. was playing um, Madeline uh, Murray O'Hare, who is the woman who... Uh, she actually is... Uh, her son was in school, I think, in Boston, uh, and they sued um, at the federal level. Uh, so they are responsible for the absence of prayer in American schools. Uh, they took her to the Supreme Court. So she was very... And she started an organization called American Atheist or Atheists in America or something. But yeah, so she was she was very, very much hated. Anyway, that's kind of a digression. But yeah, so that was on Netflix. And that's the kind of movie that, you know, like, would show up um, in a festival. But did you like it? No. <laughs> it wasn't that good. And I knew the story because... Uh, there was a TV series that no one's ever heard of, but it was a Vanity Fair Confidential. So all of these were stories that were in Vanity Fair. They made a TV show. So it's all basically two crime stories. And no one does true crime reporting as good as Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm. It works really well in the print format, but it seems kind of like seedy and kind of like, it's always like, I think one was like Death in Aruba. Like they're all like that. Yeah. Um, it's like something that would be on A&E. Yes, or, 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 or worse, like something that would be on like uh, that show that's on NBC on Friday nights, like one of those true crime things that's on yeah. a network. But they do beautiful long-form reporting, but once you make it into a TV series, it kind of seems really, really trashy and salacious because it's always like about some dentist who gets married and his wife dies, and they realize he was married twice before. And, and the reenactments both of his are wife's died. really... The acting is never good in the reenactments. Well, well these ones, there was no reenactments. It was, oh, yeah, it was always good. just... Um, um, we are talking about colossal reporting. Right now, right? No, we know we're talking about Vanity Fair Confidential. <laughs> okay. But uh, so, yeah, colossal? so yes. Did you um, like colossal? No, it was not a colossal failure. Uh, um, yeah, no, it was. I I liked colossal. I didn't love it. I would give it like a you know like a like a nice seven. You know, not a bad afternoon to spend in the theater. I will say that. Okay. Yeah, but um, in the Vanity Fair Confidential, I give it five and a half. And I have been watching some Netflix. I watched Girl Boss, which wasn't great, but I was off last week, so it was one of those just needs keep must. letting it play. It wasn't needs must, it was more like I was just feeling really lazy one day. And, you know, once I started, and I had like a mild interest in watching it because uh, back when I was on the uh, retail trade show circuit, I actually met a couple of the women uh, from Nasty Gal a few years, more than a few years ago, so not right when the site started but soon enough after that it was a lot of the original crew and I remember chasing this one woman down on the conference uh, uh, floor because she was just wearing the most wonderful shoes like Mm. this crazy pair of Jeffrey Campbell's and I legit chased her down and was like I need to know everything about these shoes and I'm obsessed with them and like that was the kind of looks that they that they were living their look Right. Like if you worked there, you were a nasty gal in like attitude right. and what you wore and like how you rolled. Right. Like I didn't even know how she was like navigating through the space in those shoes, but she was just like powering through there. So it wasn't the the main woman that I met, 
But it was one of the early employees. The fact that you're talking so much about this woman's shoes makes me think you didn't like the TV show. Oh, yeah, no, the show was not great. <laughs> the show was not great. And it has another person, like that. Britt Robertson. Yeah. Who's never going to happen. I, you know what? I was they blown. keep trying to make her happen. She's like Lily Collins or all these other people. It's like, why do they keep. Like, there's not, there's not enough there. Like, she's not terrible. I was blown away by the fact that she's 27 because she's been, like, 18 forever to me. Yeah. But then I realized, yeah, she's been 18 for, like, nine years. So why wouldn't she be 27? It makes sense. Yeah. So there were things, some things that were okay. It was, I will say what I did like is that there were so many women Talking, doing things, being people, being not like sort of cookie cutter, you know, but just like not just being girlfriends or whatever, having like points of view, having um, a full character developed. Yes, like we do in real life. For that alone, that's probably what kept me watching. Just so many different women's voices. Are they half an hour episodes or an hour? Uh, Around there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's while it wasn't great, that was oddly compelling. And then. Also, just from my background and what I do, and like that, it was all about basically starting a website. Right. It was like really the kind of B plot that was running throughout. That was kind of interesting. And Melanie Linsky actually I do love her. is fantastic. As sort of the leader of a cabal of traditional vintage clothes sellers, <laughs> uh, she was possibly. No, I'll just. She was the best thing yet. And her. That's easy to believe. Her, I like her. Her scenes. While she wasn't in every episode, uh, this the things that she was in, she was probably one of the best things. And RuPaul, who was doing a bit of like a... Was RuPaul p- playing RuPaul? She, RuPaul was playing um, Titus, basically. Like oh, okay. Uber. Yeah. Yeah. But you didn't get as much of him. And Jim Rash also was playing oh, a very sort of Jim Rash in dean, a minute. Uh, community dean kind of oh, cool. character who also ran a vintage clothing store. So it was more the... The sort of the galaxy of characters around, not so much the main story yeah. and the main actress that made this watchable. But did you watch every the whole time thing? you were about to just say, "I'm not going to watch another one," then you know Jim Rash would do something funny, or there'd be a great like you know magical Negro moment where RuPaul would sit the Burt Robinson character down and just like gently read it. It was just it was okay. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. I watched all the way up to the end. Uh, Thirteen episodes. Give or take, yeah, I think. I don't even know. Yeah, 13 episodes. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing I started watching but didn't finish yet is uh, Dear White People. Uh, and I watched half. Actually, last night I watched sort of 15 minutes of the first episode. Yeah. So I watched up to the, I think, the sixth episode. Much like Iron Fist, there's like an episode where it's almost so much better. And then you hit the the end credits and you see who directed it. And you're like, ah. Who directed so, it? So in Iron Fist, there was one episode that was just like head and shoulders better than the entire rest of that series. And that yeah. was the one directed by Riza. Um, so let me guess. For, this, so this one's Barry Jenkins, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's the Barry Jenkins yeah. one is just amazing. As it should be. Yeah. So I haven't watched all of it, but in the first uh, half that I watched, the Barry Jenkins one was like just head and shoulders just above in terms of, yeah, it was just amazing. Because I heard an interview, uh, I think it was on one of the Ringer podcasts, um, and it was with Damien, uh, um, not Chazelle, um, but uh, who's the, the creator of Dear White People? 
Oh, the original writer? Yeah, but he's also... Oh, sorry, Justin Simeon. Yeah. Yeah, so an interview with him um, talking about... Uh, who's a, he's very actually a very cool, interesting guy. Um, but my... Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm hardly an expert, but based on my uh, watch of the initial episode was... I mean, I saw the movie. So if you know who the characters... Actually, you know what? Actually, watching the movie should actually give me a leg up on everybody else. Yeah. But the takes so long to get into the plot. Like, I kind of lost interest um, because I sort of reintroduced different actors playing the same characters from the movie. Um, but so, at least I think a couple are the same. Are they? But most are different. Yeah, most are different. Yeah. Uh, and it was just the pacing is so slow that I don't have a lot of half hours left to watch something develop which is really you know it's kind of sad it's um but yeah, so the guy who plays troy fairbanks he was in the movie as well so he's sort of like the son of the dean okay or the or yeah the dean because the other guy's the president so brandon p bell he was in the movie uh and in the show um so is the guy who plays uh reggie uh mark a richardson Oh, is it? Yeah, I'm kind of sure yeah, I don't know what his name was. the show. But I think most of the show. rest of the actors Yeah, like are... Tessa Thompson was like Sam, right? Yeah. She was like the, you know, ostensibly the star. It's interesting because Justin Simeon was saying that um, that people uh, like think that Sam is the main character, but she wasn't intended to be. But my answer to that would be then you don't cast Tessa Thompson because she's more interesting than most other people in the movie. So by extension, she to me, she is the central character because she's Tessa Thompson, and no one else was as charismatic as she was in the movie. And the girl who plays her in the TV show is actually pretty, she's actually fairly charismatic too. Yeah, Logan Browning had never heard of her before. Yeah, never hadn't seen her in yeah. anything. Love her. Yeah, yeah. She's got a great look. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she's kind of gonna be, and she seemed. I mean, of the fifteen minutes I saw, she seemed to be the most central character in that too. Yeah. So I think they they've stuck with that, even though. But he says that's not the case. But I'm like, yeah, yeah it is the case. Um. So, I mean, I might go back to it um, in a few months when I have some time, but um, like right now, um, I am very... And May is coming. There's a lot of stuff coming. Jesus, like I just started, I mean, Big Little Lies was fantastic. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's been fantastic. But then this week I just watched, I started watching um, The Handmaid's Tale. Oh. And uh, Hulu dropped three episodes. I only watched one because I could only watch one. It is yeah, it some... Yeah, like it, it's pretty grueling. It is some intense dystopian shit. The... Like, I watch a lot of things that might be considered dystopian, but very few of them sort of like, I can always, it's, it's, it's always television or it's a film. This one really hits in the lady parts. It just lingers. It feels, you cannot help, as a woman, you cannot help, and because of the world that we live in right now, we're like about 10 degrees from this being real, you can't help but imagine yourself in the Elizabeth Moss character's place. And I love Elizabeth Moss. I think she's a fantastic character. And they do this thing where she... Um, the character has, um, and there's voiceover, which, you know, has been used, you know, well and poorly in television shows. But because her character off right on screen is so, um, she can't say or do what she really feels. Mm-hmm. Her, but her voiceover is her true voice. So it actually, it's, so it's more than just, um, the interior monologue of a character. Like, like it's a, not just exposition, yes. it's actually... Yeah, like on Grey's Anatomy or on Sex in the City, it's just sort of like, this is like, you know, Carrie or, or Meredith, this is sort of like, uh, like it almost 
orients you in in terms of the episode that's playing. Whereas this is more... It's what... This is Luther the Anger Translator. It is so... And what she is on screen, what she has to present to the world, is so different from what she is on the inside that it's actually... It's heartbreaking. Like, it's such a good show. Fantastic cast. Everyone to a person is really, really good. But it is just... I So I watched it on Tuesday night. How's Alexis Spladell? Alexis Spladell, who I've never liked. This is... She's so good in this role she is it's a revelation um and, and so when i watched it i decided that i can't watch the rest of it during the week i have to wait for the weekend because it's too it's too draining and it's really like it's it's beautifully shot but there's too much going on it's, there's a lot of images in this thing that will stick with you it's kind of like uh like 1984 meets i don't know like um uh uh, maybe like the Hunger Games or something, but it, better than both of those things. Um, yeah, it's really, really good, but it's going to be a tough watch. Um, hard to watch. Hard to watch, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the movie for which Tracy... <laughs> Tracy Jordan, Tracy Morgan. Yeah, the, the one that he won, they did the Oscar for. Uh, hard to watch, um, uh, but uh, very... I, yeah, I highly recommend, based on the first episode... But it's going to be one of those things that it's going to be hard to get through. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to watching uh, American Gods, which is going to be yeah, I've, available in Canada through Amazon Prime. Is it? Oh, so I actually have Amazon Prime. Yeah. So, the problem is that in Canada, there's no device on which you can watch it. You can only watch it on your uh, on a computer or on a... Uh, if a TV, uh, hook it up. Yeah. If it runs on Android, yeah, which the, we have one of those. Yeah, but there's no like app. Yeah. That, I mean, I can watch it on my TV, but there's no app um, uh, on iOS or, uh, or on... Uh, and who knows, maybe after it fully runs, it will later um, be picked up by Canadian Network. But right now, it's going to be, I think, Amazon Prime is the best legal way to get it in Canada. Is it day and date, though? Is it the same time? It's, it's one day later. So it's like, I think it starts April 30th, and then May 1, we should be able Nonsense. to get it here. Okay, that's... Yeah. that's I actually heard a... Um, uh, on uh, Ryan and Ryan Watch TV podcast, they um, had very good things. To, I think it was them. Mm-hmm. Had very good things to say about it. I mean, I just look even at the cast. Like, it's a cast of hitters. I love that book. And the fact that they added even more characters to the Pantheon and seem to have done some really interesting castings. I watched a couple of the panels right. uh, from, like, WonderCon and other things about it. So, super jazzed. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't read the book, but... Um, I'm interested in the series. And, many, and you did read the Nancy Boys, which was yeah. basically the spinoff book. And there's going to be a lot of Mr. Nancy in it, apparently. And, and because of Brian Fuller, like, I, Hannibal was phenomenal. Um, and I understand that this movie shares a lot visually with, uh, with Hannibal. Hannibal is one of the most beautiful, like, the production design on Hannibal was absolutely... Did you watch Hannibal? Mm-hmm. I mean, just incredible. Like, I've never wanted to eat another human being. As much as I oh have, God, yeah. so hungry. Oh my God! Yeah. If I could just tourniquet someone's leg and just roast it, I mean, I would. You could have been lazy. You could have said, 
I've got Mads Mikkelsen in a suit. I'm mm, done. Yeah. Oh. But they were like, was I need everything. A plaid suit as, with a vest. They were like, let's make everything look as good as Mads Mikkelsen yes. in a suit. Or, like, that or, was the level of aesthetic. I that mean, my that favorite thing about that show, amongst many many things, was Mads Mikkelsen's. Uh, he would keep on a suit, and then he would like put on like his his plastic rain coat that was transparent. Yeah. For his murdering, and it was such a great look. But it was like a bespoke, uh, yeah. transparent rain suit. Yeah. And by suit, I mean like a two piece suit. It was yeah. lovely. It was, like, it was a customer. Yes, suit. it was what like made on civil row. Yeah. It was wonderful. That's such a good show. Yeah. God, and Jillian Anderson did never look better. Oh, so, I mean Bedelia. Delish. I mean, yeah, Delish. so good that show. Yeah. I uh, murder most. Delectable. <laughs> so yeah, super super excited about American Gods. That's what I'm living for. I cannot wait to see Shadow Moon. If anything, I just know based on the pace of the book, I'm hoping I'm actually hoping for a disjointed timeline because the first sort of half of the first act in the book, it is a little bit slow. It's a little bit Kind of Fellowship of the Ringy in that, oh, okay. you know, his character has to, like, get from point A to journey point to get B to the and journey, then, yeah. like, then stuff starts to go down, so I kind of hope that they do uh, kind of pepper in some of the Pantheon stuff. In the book, they have this thing where there's almost, like, interstitials or little, like, buttons on not every chapter, maybe it's every other chapter, or sort of chapters between chapters where you just get, like, a random god doing stuff. Right. And I hope that... You don't only get one of those per episode, especially maybe in the first two or three. I'm hoping we get a couple because it really helps to break up some of that, you know, shadow playing basically the kind of uh, scully character in the beginning of like has to start believing. Like he's basically, he's Emma Swan and once upon a time he's what he's like somebody who has some relationship to this world, but he's like, we have to, we have to watch him get up to speed. Um, well, I, I heard that Ian McShane is like the revelation of this, which I mean he's Ian McShane, yeah. so he should be. So he's very McShaney in this. Yeah, but um, but playing the character that he's playing, he's finally given a license to be full McShane, and it will not seem scenery chewy at all. It, I mean, elsewhere engine could he was chewing up the scenery, but yeah, he did it in such a beautiful way. Like I love. <sighs> I still remember him passing those kidney stones. Oh my god! Just like the shoulder acting there, like I felt like this man was pissing blood. <laughs> I mean, and, and he was just standing with his back to the camera. There's never been better swearing than uh, that oh God, beautiful, yeah. beautiful show. Yeah. So wonderful. The things that man could do with profanity in his mouth. Oh. Yeah. Melch was a genius. I mean, yeah. he still is a genius. He's still alive. Yeah. So, you know, looking forward to that. So, between that and all the movies that are coming out, I anticipate I'm going to probably just turn into a doughy ball of sloth. Like, but, but, I'll probably gain about 10 pounds just because I'm going to be spending so much time on my ass watching shit. But there's also uh, the, the the Leftovers season three has just started. I love The Leftovers. Uh, Fargo season three has just started as well. I love Fargo. You got a double dose of Carrie Coon. Uh, you have like the wrap-up of American Crime, um, which is, I mean, whew, that show was really something else. And you never watched Legion, did you? Because I watched all of Legion. Uh, no, I watched all of Legion. Oh, you did? Yeah, oh, I did. Okay. Um, a beautiful show. Don't know what it was on about, but... Yeah. Uh, I mean, the fact that they did that explosion in the kitchen, that was all practical effects, was yeah. absolutely Amazing. incredible. Yeah. Uh, I think the show... And the penultimate episode was my favorite episode. Didn't know what was going on, but it was so beautiful. Gene Smart, like, going into... 
it was like Inception, but like if Inception was a TV series. Um, so I will definitely keep watching. I don't feel a, any kind of emotional connection to the show or the characters at all, but the show is visually so beautiful. And I decided probably halfway through the series because I found it very frustrating. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to have to watch this show for what it is. And hopefully the plot will make sense. And even if it doesn't, I don't really care because I, there's nothing like it and there never has been anything like it. Although there, that good sort of self-to-self exposition moment, Oh, I, 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 that kind of, if you have been watching the whole season, and I'm sure a lot of people who maybe, if you aren't fully paying attention, if you're second screening, if you're on your phone and you were not fully invested in like watching every frame of it, you would be very confused with that little bit. Like when David's in the, in the box? Well, it was amazing. I love the... And I love his... Himself and his I, accent. I also love his fake British accent, which mm. was really funny. And that helps you sort of at least get caught up to where they are. And then in the last sort of two episodes, it goes crazy town again. But, yeah. Yeah, no, I... So I'll, I will definitely watch the second season of Legion, but I'm just... I mean, I think... I mean, there's some... I can't remember who it was, but there's some like TV critic who basically says that uh, a TV show teaches you how to watch it. And Legion taught me how to watch it, which is not to watch it um, with any hope of ever making sense of the plot, at least not immediately. And it's kind of show that there might be an episode where everything comes together. Um, but yeah, like just for pure, uh, like just for for a beautiful show to watch. I can't think of any yeah. other show on TV. And Actually, I didn't binge it, but I didn't go uh, one at a time. I did like sort of. I think I did two. Two. At a time. Yeah, like it was yeah. good. To, it was good to get down too because I didn't yeah. watch. I think I watched the first five episodes week to week, and then I was like, okay, I'm just gonna. Uh, watch them a, a couple of times in a row, uh, but except uh, the Handmaid's Tale is actually a beautifully shot show, but uh, actually so is that the, the Leftovers. So yeah. and so is Fargo. Uh, there are some TV shows. Well, actually, Legion and Fargo are both no Holly shows, but there are, are a handful of shows that are visually stunning. Um, but Legion is probably um, like that's right in the top three of like most interesting to watch TV shows. Um, so yeah, I will. You know, I'll I'll be in for next season. I'm not like, you know, I'm not like a big stand for the show, but I do think there's something about it that is special and that might just be because of the way that it looks. Yeah. And all the performances were Yeah, the performances yeah. were really, really good. Um I feel like you they finally found the right use for Aubrey Plaza. Ugh, well, okay, here we're gonna Because <sighs> she's I have an Aubrey Plaza problem. Yeah. And it's because I actually think the best use of Abby Plaza was as April Ludgate on Community. She's or uh, Parks and Rec. Uh, yeah, she's. Um, I find her too zany and out there. I I don't really know how to articulate it, but she's you know she's played um, like in Mike and whatever his face need wedding dates and uh, Life After Bath. And there was another movie, too, um, where... Oh, the <laughs> Bad Grandpa? Yeah. I, I've never seen any of these movies, FYI. I just know about their existence. But she's played characters who are overtly, like, freaky and weird. And actually, there's another movie that's coming up. It's about a whole bunch of nuns that have gone bad. So it's her and Alison Brie, and I don't remember who else is in the movie. Um, but she's playing, like, a nun, and they're all... Having sex with Jane Franco, but your problem with her is my problem with her is that she's too much Aubrey Plaza. Like there was no t- 
she plays one note all the time. It's not a note that I like. It's not a character that I find interesting or funny because when someone is just like, 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 let's say Amy Schumer. Yeah, we get it. You're heavy and you like to have sex. Like, what else can you bring to the party? And I feel like Aubrey Plaza is just, yeah, um, like a dirty little freak. And that's sort of like the, the lay that she sort of steered in. And I'm not saying she's great. I'm just saying this was a better use of her than any of those other, because I've seen at least half of those horrible movies you named. Yeah. Her Aubrey Plaza-ness, the sort of like dead-eyed stare and whatever, like, I feel like at least a legion it was deployed to its, I'd say... Maximum. Yes, or next to Parks and Rec, maximum effect, without um, some of the objectification that there's been in some of her other roles. And she was definitely having fun. Yeah. And I will say this, I think the role would have been more effective to me if I had not seen her do anything else between Parks and Rec and this, because this is very different than what she did in Parks and Rec. But I feel like all the stuff that she did in between just kind of really like chummed the waters in a way that wasn't satisfying for me. Uh, so it just, t- to me, I would like, I would be thrilled if Aubrey Plaza played a normal, sane, regular person. Because she's, she's just, too much wackiness uh, just makes it seem like hackiness. I know that rhymes, I did it on purpose. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but you know, but she was good. I just think that uh, what she's been doing before this sort of overshadowed what could have been an otherwise better performance. But you know. All right, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I did like, I would say, I don't even remember this character's name. Um, oh, Patonomy, Tonomy? Uh, just the black guy who basically dressed like Common. Oh yeah, I like his black hat. Yeah. I loved his look. I, yeah. I liked his whole sort of... Chill vibe. Yeah. And I also just kind of love that we're in a time right now where there's so many roles for actors of color that mm. I keep seeing people that I don't recognize. Yes. 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 Because it's not just using the same three or four people exactly. and everything. And well, everyone's over on from, uh, uh, Everyone's over on Underground, so... Yeah. They have to come up with new people. people to Legion or whatever, like... There's people that I've never seen before, and guess what? They're actually good. Good, yep. And five, ten years ago, none of these people would have been working. Or if they were working, they wouldn't be working in roles where their color isn't their primary attribute. And they are just, you know, funny thug, funny this, funny friend, scary neighbor. Like, they are actual characters. But when you think about it, we're at a time now where Tay Diggs and uh, uh, who's the other dude? the guy who was on uh, L.A. Lach, uh, Blair Underwood. Like, we kind of don't need them anymore because they were the go-to black men before because no one could... First of all, there were no other black actors working in TV. Right. And they got every role. And now there's like a million actors out there who are fantastic, who people are not familiar with. Yeah. Like Although I, uh, Blair Underwood clearly has some sort of, you know, ABC Disney deal. He does yeah, yeah. like I mean, run on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I loved. His character was... Um, the ex-husband of the Mulan, the Ming-Na. Oh, that's character. cool. Yeah, they were a great couple. In yeah, I mean, but, but basically... I'm, and now he's on Quantico. But, but for years, they were like the black male um, uh, Heather Locklers. Like, mm. ABC had a show? Yeah. Uh, it was going to be Tay Diggs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was like this huge bench. And I joke about Underground, but Underground is actually... Real, I really like Underground. 
Although this season, a couple of episodes, I mean, there was one episode literally. Uh, and I think it's so um, Journey Smollett Bell is like the, the female lead of the show. She's pregnant in real life and on the show. So I think they may have written around her. Mm-hmm. So there's one episode that is only Harriet Tubman as played by Aisha Hines, who I actually really like, giving a speech. And I was like, oh, this is interesting for the first five minutes. And I thought they would cut away to other characters, but it was only a Harriet Tubman speech. Um, and then I had to stop watching because I got bored. Uh, so it's, when you have 10 episodes, you can't really fuck around like that. Um, but the show itself is actually, who would have thought there would be like an ongoing show about like a, like, uh, slavery and runaway slaves that, you know, was actually on, um, uh, God, what network is it? Uh, WGN. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's only other, I think the only other claim to fame was the witch show Salem. But it's actually, it's like a legit good show. Um, and you know, there's a, the music selection on the show was great, and the performances are really great. Uh, so I mean, there's just it's just a case in point. There's just enough TV. There's more than enough TV for everybody. Like if you can say there's nothing on TV, then you really don't know how to watch TV now. What a time to be alive! <laughs> yes, we've really yeah. yes. I'm glad I've made it this far. Yeah, yeah, and. <laughs> You know, <laughs> right now, so far to date, this is, it's still the year of Dan Stevens. It's his year to lose. Oh my God. He is so, you, he was the most ubiquitous, ubiquitous, ubiquitous yeah. ubiquitous. Yeah. Can you think of anyone who's giving more in so many different ways than Dan Stevens? I can't think of anybody. I mean, who's repping this guy? Like, who's this guy's agency? He's like, that is, that is a, that's somebody who's actually earning their temper. And the thing is, he's popping up where you don't expect him. I did not know that he was going to be in Colossal. I he didn't realize he was the up. beast in Beauty and the Beast. Really? Oh, I knew that. I didn't know that. But yeah, he's like, and I didn't realize he was in High Maintenance. He just, that's a, like a show that nobody even watches. He just pops up everywhere and he's, de- he's a delight. He is. Cousin Matthew. Yeah. And um, I, I never did watch that. Well, I mean, don't bother. I mean, I watch every single episode and the Christmas specials, but uh, I'm a fool. And I've done worse things for less. All right. Well, we'll, we'll leave it to Should we stick Dan a pin Stevens. in that? Yeah, because that was quite a bit. I think we <laughs> probably won't do another one for a couple weeks. Mm. Uh, we'll let some of those main movies come out. We'll let a little bit of, hopefully, a couple episodes of American Gods. Uh, watch something else terrible. Uh, Gardens of the Galaxy will be out. I'll watch yes. that by then. Yeah. Uh, I am excited about that. God help me. I am double yeah, down on I'm, the MCU. I'm going to watch it. I mean, I, I like the first one. I'm not like enthusiastic, but I'm just like, I just got to get it under my belt. It looks like it'll be fun. Yeah. I like fun. Yeah. I like fun too. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Fun. And I think that's it. Okay. Well, uh, then we're out. Okay. Later.